0: This is it. This is the start of another episode of No Laugh Track Podcast here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. I am here with three-time guests. Chris Gethard is here headlining. Had a show last night, a couple more this week, several more, two each night this weekend at Acme. Chris, welcome back to Minneapolis. Oh, it's a joy. Thanks for having me. I saw a tweet. I think it was a tweet you put out uh, not too long ago, something about it was announcing the show. And it was like, coming back, I'm just doing this off memory. Usually I write stuff down, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, sure. Uh, It was, uh, coming back to Acme soon, a place that cares more about the comedy than selling jalapeno poppers or something like that. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I express, I don't know if it was poppers or mozzarella sticks or whichever it is, but (laughs) um, I. I feel so lucky that that I've been put in the rotation here every few years, and it's really true. It's one of the things that stands out about acme is uh as far as clubs go, the priorities are on target, and not every place can say that and I appreciate every place that's ever had me, and everybody's gotta make money, but uh you know you know sometimes when you're in a room where you where you're going. It is me versus jalapeno poppers tonight, and the poppers are winning, man. The poppers, poppers are, are winning. And <laughs> The power of the popper. Yeah, and they do not put you in that position here, and it is really pretty uh, – it's a pretty special place. Yeah.
0: How did you – when and how did you get back into – I'm sure you took time off when mm-hmm. uh, we were in the heat of the pandemic yeah. in 2020. Uh, when did you and how did you get back into doing shows?
1: Um, I just sort of followed – you know, being based on the East Coast, I'm in Jersey now, but still a New York comic, I would say, yeah. as far as the scene I'm a part of. And you saw the people who kind of never shut down. And you know, there were, there were places up and down the East Coast that started doing some outdoor shows and, and those kept it going. So you tried to jump onto, the, onto those and then the winter hit out in the Northeast and those went away. And then, um, you know, just kind of kept an eye on it. And if I'm being totally honest, like took a look at the comics who were doing shows actively and I'm going, okay, like there's some people who never shut down. Can't say I'm surprised. Okay. Here's some people coming back a little early. Uh huh. Those. Okay. And now, okay. Now here's some of the people that I think are sane and on my wavelength and of my ilk and they're starting to do shows. Let me start to reach out to them, see how they're handling it. (laughs) What's happening. Yeah. Then of course, you know, there's agents who, um, are having conversations with the venues every day. And then I have a couple venues where myself and the bookers um, are in touch personally so I can kind of pick their brains, mm-hmm. see where people are at. So I just try to be smart, but mostly, you know, we can all be honest. There's comics out here who are not responsible people. I go, okay, let them go. Scoop up all all the all the ticket sales right now and I'll stay home with my kid and stay safe. And then when the other people who I think seem maybe to have a head on their shoulders are going out, I'll go out. So just kind of followed so where the canaries in the coal mine were and kept my eyes on things <laughs> the,
0: the flip side of that is also less people were coming out
1: yeah for you sure know, so. i'm sure and and i want to say too i don't be grud- you know there's are there people who i look at it and go you're insane for doing shows when you did sure but a lot of people are like okay like if you're single and this is your only source of income and you don't have a family you're going to put at risk like i do and you know you feel like there's a crowd out there that wants to put money in your pocket, you got to pay your rent, I'm not going to begrudge you. So I'm not, like, rolling my ass too hard at people, but I am saying I was not in a life position to take as many risks. I have a kid. He's not old enough to be vaccinated, so I'm not trying to slam anybody. I mean, there's certainly people out there who we all know have been extreme, but a lot of these people, I go, okay, like, if you're single and young and healthy and you want to risk it because you got to pay your rent, I get it, I get it. That's a really stressful thing, but... Um, what do you, uh,
0: what do you consider your home club? Is there a home club?
1: My home club? I would say, uh, or maybe a, it's changed. It, 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 well, there's a venue in Brooklyn called union hall. That's like a really nice basement. It's like, uh, you get 60, 70 people in there. It feels full and then they can probably double that if they really want to go shoulder to shoulder. That's been a place the past handful of years where when I'm working material out, it's a very good sweet spot of like, it's a small room. I can fill it up. The people, you know, there, there's enough people in New York who I think like my stuff and know I do interesting stuff. That's probably the place where I, I work out the most stuff and where I feel like I get to sort of flex my muscles of building an hour that says something. And um, one place that I, I didn't expect to uh, be embraced, but that's taken me in is the Comedy Cellar. I think I'm, I'm not really cut from the cellar cloth in a lot of ways, but they put up a pretty diverse lineup. Um, in in a lot of senses including people who do stuff that's maybe not what you would expect from uh you know the reputation of the club and I'm I'm definitely one of their sort of weirdo more alt alt comic outliers and and they've been very nice about putting me up so I think kind of like on the club end it's probably the cellar and then on the go be artsy and build out my stuff it's it's union hall are the places I would point to as my home clubs okay All right. Yeah. yeah. So I listened back
0: to when we did this in August of 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things have some things have changed in our lives. Yeah. (laughs) Since then, some huge, some not so much. The world is a different place. Uh, You had it back then. We talked about we were promoting a pre-sale of your book, Lose Well. Uh huh. And now that's out. Yeah.
1: The pre-sale was not that effective. The book did not sell well. Uh, I'm not mad at you or anybody who heard it. It was not the sole mitigating factor, but yeah, the book did not do great. <laughs> it's okay. These things happen. <laughs> I heard
0: you, uh, we're not going to, th- I have I've built a million other things to talk about here, so we're not going to go in depth in uh, your thoughts on the book right now, but I encourage yeah. people to listen to the episode of Duncan Tressel's podcast you did earlier this oh, year. Oh, that
1: was, that was quite fun, yeah.
0: Talking, you guys got real in depth about your thoughts on the book. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting.
1: Oh, I should go back honest. and listen to that and remember exactly what I said. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The book was. I'm I'm proud of the book. I've I I feel like the book was maybe written under some pressure that I wish wasn't there. Yeah, and, you
0: mentioned that. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: and had some deadlines that I wish I had maybe stood up for myself more on. Um, but I think that I think it's got good guts. I think it's got good guts. But you know, I I wrote another book before that. I think fans of mine really. Uh, I think fans of mine, if they're like, Oh, have you read his book? They're still probably referring to the book before that, which as an author is not what you want, right? <laughs> you want them to put them all in equal status.
0: <laughs> yeah, go to uh, JK Rowling. I love, uh, boy, that second Harry Potter book. I, we did a whole series. Right. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it stung. It stung a little bit and led to some soul searching, but I, uh, And I am proud to have put it out there. And I think a lot of what's in there is really good. And yeah, uh, Duncan is someone who I think will bring out a lot of the pathos and boil it right to the surface. Sure. Yeah, I
0: encourage people to go back and listen to that one. It's, a, it's very good. I wish I had a little clip to play right now. It sounds like you'd like to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I wonder how honest I got on that one. Oh, interesting. Sometimes she... I need to bite my tongue, but uh, okay, I'm an okay. honest guy, I guess.
0: Back then, also, also back then in when you were here last, August 2018, Beautiful Anonymous was at about 130 episodes. Uh huh. And certainly. It's been going strong ever since then.
1: Yeah, it's coming up on 300, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger and better than ever. Yeah, it's been such a life-changing joy. And it's so fun to go on the road because Beautiful non Honest fans will come out and support me doing stand-up because they like the show. But the show is not generally very funny or comedic. It, 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 uh, It can often be quite dark. So then there's sometimes where I'm up here and I'm doing jokes there. A little dirtier or like, you know, things that happen in comedy clubs. And I can just feel, I I feel like I'm performing for people who are like relatives, who are like quietly, uh, quietly not happy that I'm saying dirty things or bad (laughs) things. It's very adorable and I'm lucky to have them.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um... Uh, beautiful anonymous i've told I told you in the past I'll say it again now. It's such a great concept. It's like thank you. you should I'm sure you are so proud that that's yours and it's just it's so unique and easy to connect to,
1: yeah, I feel really good about it, really proud of it and um also since I was last here, there's like very few things in my life I brag about, but the Library of Congress decided to archive all the episodes.
0: I think I so saw like, that. I'm glad you're bringing that up. I forgot yeah. about that.
1: So that's like a thing now, that they will have the audio of every episode, which... How does that happen? How does that come about? They... Um, it was actually because of a caller into the show. Um, they they sort of announced that they wanted to start archiving some podcasts of, you know, that that maybe spoke to like some cultural importance or American culture. And I sit here, I go, man, like pretty proud of the show because at the end of the day it's just people call up and in their own words they got a record and and it's a great time capsule it, yeah exactly it's people. a time capsule and, and and some episodes deal with topical things but more often it's just people telling their personal stories but you know they mentioned covid during the times of COVID because how could you not and sure even you know when there were protests happening throughout the country sometimes we had episodes that uh, you talked would, to someone from here right yeah, after we, the we, uh, we to uh, verdict, right after, yeah. After Chauvin's, uh, I think conviction. Yeah. Uh, we talked to someone who was a, uh, uh public, a public teacher in the schools in, I think Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, I forget if it was Minneapolis or St. Paul specifically, but yeah, uh, black male teaching in the Minneapolis schools. Um, so sometimes it's, it's on the nose like that. And then sometimes it's just, Oh, I'm going to talk about something else. And also, man, the, this footage is crazy right now. So the, I felt really good about the show. And I had a caller who called who was actually like a doctorate student who was like, you're one of the great ethnographers of our time. And I'm like, here's how much I'm not a great ethnographer. I don't know what that is. Right. Like, I oh. can't be a good thing if, I'm, if I've never heard of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Are you insulting me? <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> and then I Googled it and I'm like, oh, I can see how the show applies to this. And and she um, is in the academic world and reached out to the Library of Congress and they... They uh, were like, "Yeah, this seems totally on target for what we want in our archives." So I'm proud of that. That's a cool thing. That is very cool. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the
0: I so I was catching up on some of the more recent episodes in anticipation of you being here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I told you last time. I'm sure, you don't remember, but I'm also a member of the uh, Facebook uh, chat group. Oh, that's awesome! Which is uh, uh, Facebook, for the most part, sucks. It's
1: like a cesspool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that is one part I still like, is yeah, going it's, in and checking in on that group and hearing, seeing the comments. It, it
1: really is. just like we post the episodes, people put their comments on the episodes. <laughs> Occasionally, there's another discussion topic. Everybody's pretty nice. It sort of runs itself. It's like a nice, gentle corner of Facebook where... You never have to deal with your asshole cousin getting you worked up about some political ignorant nonsense that they're posting it's it's pretty great uh, one of the one of the
0: episodes I listened to recently was the sex shop worker
1: oh, that was a very fun one yeah Wow yeah, yeah. wow G- good times good times <laughs> wow. Yeah, the phrase "butt stuff."
0: I haven't heard that much recently mm-hmm. since out. I stopped working in uh, morning radio.
1: Yeah, I, w- <laughs> I was, I was so for any because you know there's probably a lot of people hearing this who haven't heard it, but she worked in a sex shop. but basically said, "Is there anything that's like popular but hidden that we don't know about?" And she was like. So many more people are into butt stuff than you want to admit. And then we got to talk about butt stuff for a lot of the episode. It was good times. Uh It was good times. Yeah. And then the- the I also enjoyed what you said. Uh, Yeah. My
0: mom dropped off. Listen to this one a million minutes ago. ago.
1: A while ago. Yeah. And it was very funny reading the Facebook comments on that one because there was one person who put up a thing that was like, now I've heard that- Uh, poppers will really loosen up your butt but it doesn't last that long so I don't know how good it is if you're looking to get into butt stuff but you're not totally into butt stuff yet and then Someone answering going like, oh yeah, well, you know, there's an internal sphincter and an external sphincter and poppers affect this one and you can have, you have more control on the external one and sitting here going, I can't believe I'm reading people giving, people giving each other instructions on how poppers intersect with butt play because yes. of my thoughtful phone call podcast.
0: I <laughs> love, one of my favorite <laughs> moments was when she was describing like uh, her day-to-day job at the sex shop, and yeah. she said that her boss told her to stop welcoming people when they came in and yeah. I, my first thought was like yeah don't know oh, no, you don't talk about anonymous yeah yes yes yeah. i'm i'm going in with shades on my hoodies pulled up
1: yeah don't ask me how my day is going i don't need eye contact or smile when i'm trying to buy anal beads and all this <laughs> type of stuff you're like yeah we let, let, let us do our thing but that became i was pretty proud too because it came in discussion it became a discussion too like you know like there's like, sex shops can also be hangouts for people with hidden fetishes. That didn't it, even occur to me. Historically can be hangouts for, you know, people who are closeted. Um, and she was able to speak to that, too. So it had—I really liked those episodes of the show. And it's like, this is a person with a good sense of humor who can, yes, joke about butt stuff and also be like, yeah. But also when you're in a sexual underground, you're also seeing marginalized people and giving them a space. And you sit there and go, whoa, man, like, it's— it's it's the, the thing that i still love about the show is i like, go oh, there's so many um there's so many places where you can hear celebrities talk to celebrities and that, and and like conan's podcast i love it i oh. lo- i think it's a great podcast i i've listened to almost every episode uh but i still think man like regular people have the best stories like i'd rather hear a regular person talk about how they sort of like stumbled unknowingly into a career in like the hidden sexual underground of America. Like I, I love, I, and those, I think are far more common than we realize where you, I think people don't, I I think people who listen to the show have come to understand like, yeah, you probably every day are crossing paths with someone who, if you talk to them for an hour, you, your mind would be blown at who they are and what they've done and what they've lived through. And It's a good reminder. I completely agree. I find
0: myself uh, around strangers sometimes, not in this setting, but, uh, you know, like in real life, not in front of a microphone, Uh, holding back, not being real talkative. But
1: Mm -hmm. then when you do, most times it's so gratifying. Yeah. It's really pretty astounding. And we live in a world where more and more there's all these infrastructures built now where you can kind of be the hero of your own story, right? Like you get to go online and craft an image and post pictures that show what you want and you can sign up to follow the opinions of people who you already agree with maybe or, you know, you can cut out those who you don't and um, the real world has not worked that way up until very recent history and I I do like that the show is a bit of a reminder of you are constantly in this fishbowl with tons of other people who have shared experiences and very different experiences. And maybe it's not the best thing that we have so much ability to sort of like curate our own lives into being just exactly what we want them to be in a very controlled sense. I don't know Mm -hmm. that that's the healthiest thing. I,
0: I completely agree with that 100%. You've done, you've brought that on the road and done live shows.
1: Yeah. How does it work as a live show? I sit on a stage and people listen to a phone call out in the amps of the venue. And we just do a phone call. As soon as I said, I wanted to do live shows. I had people in my life going, Oh, are you going to like set up a curtain or like have somebody sitting behind there? I go, I just feel like I know this crowd and they like the phone calls and they'll go with it. And it's, it's become a very fun live experience because more often than not what you get is, someone on the phone who knows what the show is and where the bar is set and it's and it's um an interesting story and an engaging thing and then every once in a while and i always give the caveat at the top of the live beautiful anonymous shows where i'm like if the call is bad don't be mad at the caller, be mad at me and understand you still get the joy of just watching me eat shit on stage <laughs> and the crowds really enjoy that and it's fun for me to have on two hats where i'm like I've realized like I am both doing the phone call and recording it and putting on a totally separate live show for the crowd and it's kind of two different things at once and it's it's a real balancing act um but I I would say far more often than not those live shows are are pretty exciting cuz you see people sitting there going oh we legitimately don't know what's about to happen and it's it's I think pretty rare to have that to realize oh there's like an actual lack of control here for me as an audience member. It's kind of an exciting thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: So in the uh, in the Facebook group, the caller that worked at this uh, sex shop identified her herself right I saw
1: right got got in on that poppers conversation it was a big part of, yeah. of the of the butt stuff yeah
0: <laughs> how often do people come up and introduce themselves in person to you
1: saying "Hey that was me it happens it's another fun thing for me going on the road is it will happen um frequently enough that I'm not shocked by it. It's always a little uncomfortable. I'm really good at talking on the phone and pretty bad at talking in person. Like I'm a pretty shy person in Interest. day-to-day life. Yeah. Um. Even selling merch after shows and stuff, which I haven't been doing during COVID, but you know, I'll be selling merch and people, I think sometimes feel very uncomfortable when they realize how poorly the conversation's going and, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty bad at it if it's not in like that creative context. Um, but I've met a bunch of the the callers and I've had a number of sort of like quietly meaningful catch ups. And there's a few people like the 39 year old grandma call was like a, a a favorite of the fan base. She's yes. a Woman who just said, I'm 39. I'm already a grandma. I said, wow. Like. This was before I had my son. I'm like, I'm. I think I was 38 when we had the call. I was like, I'm a year younger than you, and you're a grandma. It's wild, and I've met her now three or four times, and she's lovely. And then sometimes it's much more quiet. Hey, I'm this person who dealt with this one, and it's one of the sadder calls. And I've even had a few very trippy instances where someone will like leave an envelope on the merch table and walk away. And then I'll be in my hotel room at the end of the night going like, wait, what is this? And I open it and it's like, oh, I was the caller who went through that and I wanted to stay anonymous, but wanted to let you know. Like wow. That one I know. There was a caller who had told me about uh, escaping from a religious cult. And that was, as you can imagine, a really intense call. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I, I don't remember what city I was in, but I remember opening up an envelope at the end of the night and being going, oh, wow, this is... A lot and another another caller who had slipped me a letter who had um in in high school been kind of seduced by a teacher and called up and hadn't ever called the cops on the guy and he'd kind of been in and out of her life and she'd cut him off but she, she was all the caller all the listeners were pointing out oh she has this very nervous laugh she does that's concerning like she's laughing at a lot of stuff that's feels consistently like a signal of this is unresolved. And she, she gave me a letter that said, you know, I I read all that feedback and listened back and I said, yeah, they're not wrong and got to work and dealt with it. And wow. And that, and yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been it's an interesting it's a very interesting project to kind of have at the core of of what i do these days yeah please don't stop keep doing that Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. one of my
0: i have to tell you one of the highlights of uh, the pandemic when we were locked inside was my wife and i watched a uh series on netflix and was like hey there's chris gathard space oh, force space force
1: yeah yeah, that was uh, that was fun to watch. I, 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 we liked that. Thanks. Yeah, it was crazy. I was in New York one night. I had auditioned for the part that Ben Schwartz got, and I never heard anything. And then one day, I was I was in New York. I was at um. I was like watching. It was really weird. My manager. I'm a big comic book fan my whole life. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel mm-hmm. exclusively. And my my manager called me. He's like, Hey, there's like um one of the Broadway theaters is doing this like tribute to stan lee that they're taping for tv you want a ticket to it and i was like i never like take any perks like with the entertainment stuff i think it's gross but i was like yeah i'll do that and uh-huh. got out and all of a sudden my phone had all these messages and it was like called my manager i was like what's going on he's like oh i'm glad you called back he's like can you get to jfk by 10 and i was like it's eight what are you talking about I'm like, probably not and like had we had the baby, he was five months old at that point. He's like, "They want you for a part in the in the Netflix thing, um, but you got to get to JFK like right now." So I called my wife, and she was like, "Yeah, you got to do that. I guess like we'll be okay." I, I I was like, "I don't know if I can just ditch my wife with a five month old on zero minutes notice." You're giving
0: me anxiety thinking yeah, of, yeah, right? like trying to give that to my wife. Hey, dude,
1: it was so wild. I'm like here. I I get out to JFK, I get on the plane, overnight flight. They bring me to a hotel. I sleep for like two or three hours. They drive me into a canyon in a van. And I'm like, what? Dri- <laughs> Yeah, like it filmed in this canyon. I'm like, what what's going on? And then I see a full-size rocket ship set up. They get out of the van, and John Malkovich was just sitting in there on a lawn chair, and I was like, what? I love this What is happening Like what is happening right now Right So I was really lucky To have the part But it was I booked it on no notice And um I'm really I really Like usually I play Like a very sad Nerd In anything I'm cast in And that one I play much more of a creep And some of that Is just actual Sleep deprivation And then I had to Kind of match that You're you're giving away Your secrets Don't do this Yeah that's my Actor secret (laughs) Is if you want me to If you want me to Play a character That's slightly weirder make me take a red eye and then let me get 90 minutes of sleep before you drive me into a blazing hot desert canyon and point a camera at me.
0: Did you see that uh, this week um, our government uh, debuted these uh, prototype new uniforms for Space Force? No,
1: I hadn't seen that. Yes. I gotta go check them out.
0: They were getting uh, compared to uniforms on the uh, latest version of Battlestar Galactica mm. like the, all these buttons like diagonal across the front.
1: That's cool. That's yeah. cool. I'm shocked that Space Force
0: still exists. That, Maybe. Yes, that was a lot of the headlines. It was like uh, Space Force announces prototype uniforms to let people know they still exist. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they do. Maybe that show will continue and I will get to still have a job. That would be nice. That would be yeah. I'm, I'm very pro Space Force for one hundred percent selfish reasons. Good, yeah, me too. I don't quite know what they do in real life, but I'm just gonna say, like, I yeah, other, uh, I don't know where
0: we need we need to be protected from. Yeah. I don't even. Know but let's where to get go it.
1: There. Let's get it really up and running. Huge <laughs> momentum so that Steve Carell can keep going and I can live off of his uh, crumbs.
0: I, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely all all for that. Uh, <laughs> I so we before we're uh, out of time here, I need to bring up your special. That is available all over the place. Half my life, half my life. Yeah. I watched it.
1: Nice. It Thanks. is so
0: good. Thank you. So good. I'm gonna say right off the bat, more uh, comedy specials should be that format. It's wow. made it so interesting to have the the documentary behind the scenes, follow you guys around to the different venues, the you know in the car, just everything. Not just the. More specials should be like that. I ah, was like, I, thinking the whole time, I love this. Thanks, yeah. It's I, totally, I have such a short attention span sometimes,
1: and that kept me good hooked the whole time. Chris. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I was really intent on, you know, um, most specials are in like, are like well shot and fancy venues and you're wearing a nice outfit and those are great. But I also was like, it doesn't totally look or feel like my experience in comedy. Right. Uh, like, so it, it's all... Pretty small venues most of them are venues that I really love apparently uh, not the Richmond one <laughs> yeah the Richmond one was tough man they uh, stiffed me on money pretty oh, hard I heard that <laughs> yeah uh, that was that was a weird situation but I don't get we actually have all this great footage um, that was gonna be in the in the special I, I, and there was just no way to succinctly explain like my wife watched it and was like it really feels like you're complaining about money for doing comedy, and most people are going to go, why is he complaining? And I'm like, but they don't understand that I had to like pay to get there and pay for my own hotel and this and that. And that I actually lost money on that show. And she's like, yeah, but there's no way to succinctly explain. You seem like a crybaby who's complaining about making a few hundred dollars. And I'm like, but I spent more than a few hundred dollars getting there.
0: That's that's a wife's critique.
1: It, yeah, but it was valid. I'm like, I don't, who wants that? Who wants that? So, but, but yeah, maybe that, maybe that footage will come out someday. Yeah. Throw like, it on YouTube or your yeah, website or something, something like that with a little bit of an explanation, but I'm glad you liked it. I, I, I'm really proud of it. I think it it does kind of look and feel a lot like what comedy really has, has been in my experience and even doing it as many years as I have, where you go, yeah, you're still sitting in traffic and you're still stressing if anybody's gonna show up that night and- You slept on somebody's couch yeah, at some point. Yeah, every once in a while, if I like the person and I trust them and I know their house is nice, I'll save a couple bucks on the hotel and go crash with somebody. Yeah. And, Um, I'm not above that and in fact quite enjoy it and I'm glad you liked it. Uh, and then I have to bring up, you know, another
0: specific part of it and that is every, well, basically everything involved with Gatorland. Yeah. Because my wife, my, we took the family there. We did an Orlando vacation Uh to 2019. Yeah. And, Gatorland was the highlight for me.
1: Good. I love that place,
0: and you were yeah, there for that the place special. is
1: nuts, and they had a great sense of humor. And <laughs> when, when they found out I was doing a joke about them, I was scared they were going to be mad, but they loved it, and in fact let us come in. And there's a uh, spoiler footage of me doing... doing comedy for a bunch of alligators and no humans and it's behind the fence in y- with the gators yeah it was really and and people have asked me like so what was like the safety setup on that and i'm like oh non-existent like, oh i like, know i've, been, I've was, been there and i yeah, know that it's lawless it was pretty yes, lawless they really do just like yeah, nah, it'll be God fine bless them they were awesome awesome people Great yeah. place, totally nuts.
0: We did the we did a late uh we did the night feeding was what we paid for and did, oh, and that was fantastic. Really? Part of it was a little petting zoo type thing where Ooh. they brought out all these you know tiny gators we held and yeah. tarantulas and the skink I think it's called and yeah. then uh, and then you go on that boardwalk with these little like pellets. We didn't do the hot dog thing like you describe. Uh, yeah, these pellets. You just throw them and then there's. It looks like thousands. I mean, there's
1: more gator than water in front of you. It's It's wild, You can walk across. There's so many. The scariest was when they let me in the pits with the albino ones. I'm sure. Because those were, like, huge, and they're, like, already as scary as alligators, but then also... You're told like there's only ten of these in the world, and they just look different, and they look kind of like monsters, and that was very scary. Very <laughs> they scary. They are monsters. Had to get the footage. Had to get the footage, right? You got to get the shot, baby. Yeah.
0: How, how how much time passed between you know like uh, when you when you did the joke on NPR, mm-hmm. they the they heard about it, and then you actually went down there and filmed some stuff. How much time was it between? Uh, let's there?
1: see. I think I started working on that joke, 2013 or 14 probably did it on NPR 2016 or 17, Okay, filmed it in 2019. So I worked on that joke for a solid six years. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely one of my better jokes and I will miss it. And it was one that, you know, it was one that I didn't often do in New York where everything's kind of like, you need like a million punchlines a minute, but it was one of the, that joke I'll always hold near and dear to my heart. Cause I found when I went on the road And you get out to places where there actually is a car culture that New York doesn't have. And I grew up in Jersey where there is, where it's like, right, the idea of like a family road trip. And everybody kind of knows that feeling of your dad takes you to the cheaper place instead of the above board one. And that joke was pretty beloved on the road. And I worked on it for so long and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it really bad. Oh, I'm so glad you did Gatorland. That is just... I. It's I, good
0: times it's just just absolutely good fantastic times. is there anything else uh that did, did you work on some things during the pandemic in the last year that is isn't out there yet that we can look forward yeah, to? yeah i
1: mean i kind of just was just trying to find stuff like like everybody is i had i started a new podcast project with some friends i grew up with who Ooh. are not comedians called uh new is the world yes. All about my love of new jersey that's been quite fun and i wrote um a comic book that an artist is, is going to work on and we're going to see if we can get that out in the world. And yeah, just a lot of writing. And as you know, too, like having a child, I think will scramble anybody's brain and kind of rearrange your priorities, let alone during this year where then the world also shut down. So you're kind of in this weird vacuum thinking about it. So I've been writing a lot about that. And I, I might have a project coming out. That's like a lot of, thoughts focused specifically on that. So I always keep busy with a million different disconnected things and <laughs> pray that any of them hit and that people like any of them. So I, 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 you know, just like everybody went a little nuts during the pandemic and then also found some things that were exciting that kept me sane. And
0: did you have a moment like I did when, uh, it was a you just an odd you know who could have predicted this coincidence that you know we're in a lockdown here in the summer of 2020 and at the same time my mother-in-law who was providing daycare for the baby had to have heart surgery so she was out of
1: commission for you know two months and that's like so scary that that's happening and then it's also your whole safety net goes away and so i
0: had to uh quit working and stay home and be the uh you know, the
1: daycare basically. Uh, yeah, and we, that was a whole crazy new experience. We are, I hope everybody's okay, first of all. Yes. Yep. Good. Thank you. Yes, they um, are. Our version of that was less extreme, but we realized um, we didn't, ha- you know, like my wife hasn't been working since our son was born. And now I'm working from home. And then we're sitting there going, man, like no daycare, babysitters, play dates, none of this. And winter's coming, and we're just gonna be inside with this kid, and he's getting really active, and we're gonna lose, we're, it's going to break us. So, we drove to Florida and stayed with my parents for five weeks in their retirement community. Holy cow! Um, wow. Where I was like working out of their garage, and my dad would take my son on rides in the golf cart every day. Awesome. And it was awesome. it was awesome and then also like a sitcom to be living in a retirement community and there would be times where I'd be like on Zoom like either recording episodes of Beautiful Anonymous or like on Zoom work calls about important stuff with people and my my dad and I started having this weird thing that I had to talk to him about where he clearly got a little irked that I was using the garage as the workspace and so like I'd be like on a Zoom talking with people and then all of a sudden the garage door would unexpectedly open it and like a car would pull in the background and he'd unpack all the groceries and I'd just be sitting there like, you're killing me, man. Like, I know this is not ideal and I'm existing in your space, but you gotta... I can't have you unpacking groceries in the background of work situations. Like, I can't. I'm gonna go nuts and He's go, like, you didn't notice the notes I've been leaving around, so I'm gonna get a little more aggressive here. Bad and then I had to sit down my whole family and just be like, look, like if I'm in the garage working, I promise you I'm really working and you gotta stay out. And then my mom obviously is like, he's talking about you, Ken. This is not about his <laughs> This is so then he's getting yelled at by her and he's not psyched about that Love so it. it was it was <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, that's the great. The whole thing was a lot, yeah. Do
0: you uh did you did it make you have any thoughts on your future in a retirement home? Like, nope, this is not for me or Oh,
1: my wife and I both were like you know, times will change, I'm sure, and maybe sure. the convenience of it will become appealing someday, but we were like that, we can't let's try to not ever wind up in a it, it feel I felt like orwellian dystopian in some ways let's let's see if we can avoid it Um, but who knows maybe i'll hit an age where i just go that's what i want i want a line dancing class and a buffet and a golf course outside all these things that have no appeal to me now maybe those things will appeal to me someday who knows (laughs) times change
0: yeah yeah they, they, they certainly do oh that's funny um all right, let's 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 wrap this up with a little fun thing I want to ask you about here.
1: I searched your name on eBay. Oh, I recently had to do that. Okay. Someone was asking me about an old T-shirt from my TV show. If I had any, I was like, oh, I haven't had those in years. I said, I'm going to check eBay. There's some weird stuff that comes up of me on eBay. Yes. Real weird stuff. Yeah. That's funny. I I promise you, I don't search myself on eBay too often, but it was like a month or so ago that someone was asking about this t shirt. And I I, I believe that. Did you see, was this posted back then? The Chris Gethard signed three by five index card? I did see the index card. What was the price on it back then? uh, I think $40. What's it up to? They've reduced the price again. Oh, no. I was gonna ask, what's it up to?
0: I mean, it's clearly changed hands, and there's, this thing is g- gaining value. <laughs> what? Uh, it was originally at forty five, and they have a slash through that twenty percent off. It is at thirty six dollars. Right thirty six
1: dollars, and it's just, I think, my name on an index card. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. there's also cardboard cutouts of me. Yes, which I was tempted to buy.
0: Do you, did you see the the yes the cardboard cutout? I'm yeah. showing it to the camera here, Brandon. You can see yeah. that kind of on the camera. So did you you know it says mini chris gethard ca- casual i like to describe it as ca- casual i am pretty
1: casual in that yeah. picture i look pretty casual uh, mini what?
0: mini size cutout i clicked and looked got some more details do you know how big it is or small it is <laughs> no two feet that's a two foot tall cutout of me
1: i think i need to get oh. a two foot tall chris Gethard. how much they sell on that bad 1997 great year great year yeah what an idiotic thing for someone to try to make money off of. Do you
0: do you recognize that outfit? Like, why you where you were wearing that? That is a photo green shoot?
1: sweater that I.
0: Um, maybe striped undershirt, tan pants,
1: maybe. Yeah, let me see where that's from. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a pretty random, <laughs> pretty random image of me. Yeah, I have no idea. It's not, it doesn't look like anything I dressed up for because my t shirt is just sticking out. I also like that you can get it delivered by Wednesday. Like, if you need a two foot tall cardboard cutout of me and fast. Well, that was a screenshot I did
0: yesterday. So it made me, oh, wow. Might be even sooner. Might be even quicker. Oh, and then the one more, let's see. did I take a picture of that one? Or maybe I didn't. There was a face mask, a
1: paper I did face see mask. That. I did see that. Yeah, that one I was kind of psyched that someone's out there selling masks of my face.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Chris, I wrote it down here. Chris Gethard's Smile Celebrity Mask, flat card face. That, only $5.96. only
1: $5.96. Less than six bucks to get a mask of my face. Now, this is just clearly some jerk with a printer. Yes. That, and you know what? That, that...
0: I mean, I'm all about the side hustle. I don't have any good ones going on right now, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But Mm yeah, I I always stumble across stuff like that. I'm like, why am I not the guy freaking, you know, selling paper face masks?
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's just somebody with a, a printer who thinks some rube will fall for that. I promise you whatever picture they found, if you're out there and you really want a face mask of me, you can just go find the picture on Google image because that's what they did. And you could just print it and cut out my eyes and you'll have the face mask (laughs) and it'll cost you less than $6 plus shipping. That's that's very true. That's a really weird, funny thing. But, yeah, I I can't believe you brought that up because I just did. Someone's like, hey, you got any human fish shirts? I'm like, we haven't sold those since uh, 2013. (laughs) Like, I don't even know if I have one myself. So I searched on eBay, and it was just all weird nonsense. I I love that so much. Oh, if you uh, get the camera back here. And what a bad picture they picked. There you go. That is a particularly not great picture if you're going (laughs) to do a face mask. That's a weird choice. Don't do it. <laughs> Nobody get that. Nobody get that, please. Little thicker frames than you have on now. I don't think they're the same Yeah, ones. and the hair, it, it, it's all forehead. That's
0: not even your... When,
1: it's all flat on your head. Yeah, I never wear my hair like that. I've never even seen you like that. That is like a publicity photo for some sort of... Television product it where must they be. did my hair. Yeah, it I would be. never wear my hair like that. It, all it does is when I wear my hair flat like that, it just makes me feel even worse about my Titanic forehead. So I would <laughs> never do that. Would never do that.
0: Uh, I, I think we did it here, Chris. I think we covered what I wanted to. Good times. I
1: appreciate. I Such love this. Such a pleasure. Yeah. I'll see you in 2024, 2025 Yep. Check in then. God bless you for the kid. I hope you're, everybody's healthy and happy well. and safe. Yes. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. And finally, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to this, everybody. And if uh, you're listening to it in time, come to Acme and see
1: show. Yeah, please do. It's one of the great clubs in this country. And I, I uh, and this is not, I'm not blowing smoke. I started with a new agent um, during the pandemic. And I said, you know, I don't, I want to do, I, I go to music venues and stuff. And I, li- I really like that. And I'm less interested in, in clubs these days, except for Acme and uh there's one other club i I told them i said acme and uh, the comedy attic in bloomington those are just very very special places to me so um i think that that hopefully is proof that i really do really really do appreciate this place and and what it does yeah if you know chris gethard it's not some bs Nah, I, i try not to bs too much no my career would be a lot better if I could
0: (laughs) (laughs) that'll be the topic next time I love that, that'll be the topic next time thanks Chris